Lay your burden down, every care you carry, and come to the table of grace, for there is mercy. Come just as you are, we are all unworthy to enter the presence of God, for he is holy. Lift up your heart, lift up your hands, fall on your knees and Preston Crest Church of Christ. My name is Brian Pruitt, and on behalf of the entire eldership, we want you to know we're delighted that you are here. And uh, whether you're here personally or if you are here virtually, we're glad that you've made the decision to join us this morning. We'd like for you to take a moment to uh, text the check-in, which is uh, on the screen now. If you'll let us know that you're here, you will get a link to our bulletin. And uh, it will let us know <clears throat> that you're participating with us this morning. We want to make note of the fact that our 50th anniversary celebration here at Preston Crest is going to be March the 27th. We hope that you will put that into your calendar. Take out your phone, put that in as a, the big day of celebration here. We're planning um, one worship service that day so that we can all be together. And then we've got a 
uh, a plan in the works for a, a, a gigantic tent and a big celebration out in the uh, uh, outside the building and inside the building. We hope that those who have been here at Preston Crest in the past may return. Uh, if you know others who you think would uh, like to come to that celebration, we hope that you'll let them know. As we begin our worship this morning, I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Will you pray with me this morning? Our Father in heaven, we honor and praise your name. We come before you with thanksgiving and gratitude, Father, for another day of life and breath. Thank you, Father, for our daily food. Thank you for warm, dry places to sleep and live, and thank you for physical protections. Thank you, Father, for our families and for our loved ones. We thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers these last two years and providing treatments for this viral pandemic. We thank you for vaccines and effective medicines, and we pray that you would continue to heal our country in every way. Oh Lord, we pray for all of those here at Preston Crest and beyond that are sick, that are suffering from various diseases or cancer or chronic pain or who have serious disabilities. Father, we ask that you would heal them be with those medical professionals caring for them, and especially, Father, be with their loved ones and families who are with them and caring for them each day. Oh Lord, I ask that you would comfort and bless those who have recently lost loved ones. We pray that you would be with them, Father, as only you can. I pray your blessings, Father, on our missionaries all around the world. We ask that you be with them each day, Give them the courage and the drive every day to proclaim your word boldly. And we pray that you would open the hearts of those who hear, that they would be responsive to the saving message of your gospel. I pray this morning, Father, for all of those suffering from the recent storms and tornadoes. I ask that the help that we send, Father, from Preston Crest will be useful and comfort and restore many. Thank you, Father, this morning for Preston Crest. I thank you for the 50 years that you have blessed this congregation. Thank you for the souls that have been saved, for the lives that have been formed and transformed by this congregation of Bible-believing Christians. We thank you, Father, for your word, the Bible. We ask that you would help us always to understand your will and then carefully follow your will. Above all, Father, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus and for the saving work that he did that gives all of us the hope of spending all eternity with you and with our loved ones and each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Oh, worship the King of glorious above and grateful. Thank you. 
As we enter into this time of communion, 
We're going to sing one more song, and then Dan Mobley is going to come and lead us around the bread and around the cup. Now, this may be a new song to some of you, maybe not so new to others, but let's sing this song all to us. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are faithful to
I don't know about y'all, but sometimes the simplest concept or question sometimes makes me think and ponder the most. Uh, and that was the case when I first heard this song that we just sang. Um, it got me thinking. I read the verses, uh, I listened to it several times, and I just, I began to ask myself, is Jesus all to me? Uh, Webster defines all as the whole amount, quantity, or extent of. Am I giving Jesus the full amount of me or just a portion? Am I allowing him to reign over the full extent of my life, my thoughts, my words, or just some? And as we start this time where we think about the one who gave his all for us, I would encourage each of us to ask ourselves that question, is Jesus all to us? John 19, 28 through 30 says, Jesus knew that everything was now finished, and to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus gave all of himself for us, so we should give all of ourselves to him. Let's pray. Father, as we reflect on Jesus' death, it is truly remarkable. His entire life was for us, both as an example to follow and a sacrifice to cleanse us. Father, with each breath we take, may your name be praised. And Jesus, we thank you and we love you. Amen. As the mountains surround Yes, we are. 
Let's pray again. Lord, as we continue our prayer of thanks, I ask that we will give all of ourselves to you, not just what's convenient, not just a portion, not just our Sundays, but our entire lives. Help us remember daily the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. We want to bring you glory in all that we do and all that we say. We want our lives to reflect you. We're so thankful for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, John Scott. Love that song. Love that song. It's good to be together. It's good to worship the Lord together. Amen. Um, hey, if you want to give this morning, there's multiple, multiple ways you can do that. One would just be dropping some money or checking the box out in the foyer. Another would be clicking the box on the website and giving that way or using church teams as well. Uh, we're so grateful for the generosity of this church as we do God's work here in our mission field and beyond. And one of those good works that supported, I mean, there's so, so many, but this time of year, uh, pretty much every Sunday, I think about LTC, Leadership Training for Christ, which is a bunch of projects directed at this event that's going to happen uh, Easter weekend. But more important, don't tell the kids this and the young people, but more important than that event that weekend is the every Sunday stuff that goes on as they are studying God's Word together, uh, team building together, and so many of our adults are volunteering to help with this ministry. It's a beautiful thing. You'll get to see more about that in just a moment. Uh, but every Sunday night, they are here working on their projects and learning the Bible together and just seeds of faith are being planted and they're growing in their relationships with Jesus and it's beautiful. Let's pray about that now. God, so many ministries of this church uh, that you allow us to partner with you in to grow disciples of Jesus. And I pray right now your blessing over LTC, over the young men and young women who are participating in that this year over the children who are participating, and especially, God, over all of the volunteers and workers who are using their time to invest in our kids and to lead them into deeper relationships with Jesus. Uh, I pray your blessing over this ministry and all of the good works of this church. In the name of Jesus, amen. Video. Church. I'm Terry Brantley, one of the deacons here at Preston Crest Church of Christ. 
Thank you for supporting Leadership Training for Christ. Each year, 70 to 80 of our third through 12th graders participate in LTC. Our goal for each participant is to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Each year, we study a different book of the Bible on Sunday night in preparation for Bible Bowl. In addition to Bible study, LTC is a great way to help children and teens discover their talents and use them to serve God and others. LTC participants may register for a variety of events such as puppets, drama, art, chorus, song leading, service, bulletin boards, and teaching. Through LTC, we develop friendships, make great memories, and have a lot of fun. Thank you again for supporting LTC and our future leaders. And church, thank you for your generosity. Hey, I don't know if you've heard, this is our 50th anniversary year, and because of that, we are putting together a special cookbook. So, preparing a special, wonderful custom cookbook featuring favorite recipes from our members throughout the church's past 50 years. Men, women, older, younger, girls, guys, teens, kids, I don't care who you are, if you've got a favorite recipe that you want to share, let's do it, and let's do it uh, by next thir- by next Sunday, that, uh, no, that's, it is, that's next Sunday, is the 30th, that's the deadline, recipes are due Sunday, January 30th, share this information with your friends that are former Preston Crest members. Check today's bulletin for information on how to submit your recipes and also how to reserve your cookbook. I know there is a ton of recipes out there. We have got so many folks that are good cooks. And so please, please, please submit those recipes and uh, let's, let's, uh, let's have fun with this. And and let's, uh, this is going to be such a treasure for years to come. Such a treasure. So thank you for helping us out with that. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And then we're going to sing one more, and then uh, Gordon's going to come back and share with us a little bit this morning. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name Yeah, 
John Scott, it seems like a weird thing to point out, but I'm going to just say it because I care about this cookbook. I've seen a lot of recipes already. They're coming in. They look really good. This is not just for the ladies to submit recipes. Guys, submit your recipes, especially if you know how to smoke a brisket or something. I want to see it in the book because I still have a lot of learning to do on uh, using my smoker. So please. That's going to be one of the great takeaways of this 50th anniversary, getting this cookbook. That's going to be great. Um, So we had been planning for uh, years to plant this church in Brazil. We'd moved there. Uh, We had been working on our Portuguese and and praying, seeking God's will about what neighborhood to work in. And, And we had just started our very first public worship services. I think we had had two. And I got a call one Saturday morning from Terezinha, little Teresa, an older woman. She and her husband Gomez had come to our first two worship services. And Terezinha was letting me know that her ex-husband had died. And I had actually visited him a couple weeks before in, uh, in the hospital uh, with her, but her ex-husband had died, and she and Gomez wanted to know if Isla and I would be at the funeral service. I said, absolutely, it was that day. It was in two hours. That's very Brazilian, by the way. Someone dies, you have that funeral, maybe the next day. So the next day, uh, but no, it was that afternoon. So we headed off, uh, managed Uh, A little bit late, but managed to find uh, the chapel where the funeral service was going to be. It was crowded with people, uh, everybody kind of wandering around, mixing and mingling there. And uh, at one point, Teresa announced to the group, she's like, I need to get your attention, I need to get your attention. Here in just a couple of minutes, Pastor Dabs will share a few words, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. We're not supposed to say pastor. This is Church Christ. But that's what she said. She said Pastor Debs. Uh, so I was like, uh, I mean, okay. That is pretty much the encapsulation of every nightmare I've ever had right there. I barely spoke Portuguese. I knew like two people in this crowded room. Um, and I didn't remember her ex-husband's name. All right? So I am going to officiate this service. So I panicked and did what any good minister would do. I found someone with a Bible and I read Psalm 23. Can't go wrong with Psalm 23. And I said a prayer and we were done. But I'll tell you this after that morning, or that afternoon rather, here's what dawned on me. I'm her pastor. I'm her minister, right? This dream that we had had for years of planting the church, it's not a dream anymore. It's, it's really happening. Uh, this is incredibly important. And I can tell you, I started studying Portuguese like never before after that funeral service. And this morning, we're going to start a series about the church, which is a dream that Jesus had And a dream which his disciples began to see being made real through them. And we have seen being made real through us. And I'll just say this. I mean, it's easy, right? If you want to go through history and pick on the church, that's an easy thing to do. I mean, to pick on the church and say, well, this, they did this, or they were responsible, or this was done in the name of the church. But I got to tell you, I don't think any organization 
in the history of the world has accomplished as much good in as many places than the church of Jesus Christ. I'll stand by that. I'll debate that with you. I'm pretty confident in that. And I was just thinking this week, just a kind of a, a microcosm of that, it is so ubiquitous. It is so, the, church, the presence of the church, the ministry of the church, the work of the church is in so many places we don't even see it anymore. I mean, how many, how many hospitals in Dallas-Fort Worth were started by churches? A lot. I think there's 14 Baylor hospitals in that system. I think there's 13 Methodist hospitals in the Dallas or, or clinics in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I think there are uh, seven Presby's, or te- now it's Texas Health Network, but it's Presby started that way. There are, there are even, <laughs> there are even veterinary hospitals, Saint Mina, Saint something or other. I mean, it is, it's everywhere. In the name of Christ, The church has started all of these good works. And if you begin to think, how many orphanages in Africa were started by Christians? I don't know what the percentage is. I'm supposed to tell you that right now. You know, I I set that up. But I think it's probably really, really high. North of 80%, I'm pretty sure. And so we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about this idea of Jesus the church of Christ. And specifically, we're going to zero in on the local church, local churches like like Preston Crest, because much of the New Testament actually was written to these local churches in places like Philippi, Colossae, Rome, Ephesus. Um, And so we're going to talk about that because it's very relevant to us since we are a local church as well. So I want us to see from Scripture, the beauty of Christ's church. I want us to to see as we celebrate 50 years here in Dallas as a church family, I want us to rediscover the promises of Jesus for us and the purposes that he has for us as well so that we don't settle on something easy, right? We don't, when we think about our vision, when we think about our purposes, when we think about the agenda for this church coming up, we don't settle on something easy, on something doable by our power and intellect, but something that requires him to be involved. This is his church. This is his project. And I want you to find the church is your place to belong, Because that's much of the language of the New Testament. It is the language of belonging. Belonging in the family of God. It's a place where we connect together. And we connect in very deep ways with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as well. So, just kind of full rewind. Very quick recap from the Bible here. We're doing Genesis. Uh, LTC is doing that and we're doing that on Sunday nights here. Well, chapter one uh, is the beginning of our story here. God made us and as we trace that story, it's not long before sin enters the picture. Adam and Eve rebel against God. They sin. And then, as I shared last Sunday night, the third person. So we've got the first two human beings are sinners. And then the third, their firstborn, a guy named Cain, is a sinner as well. Takes after his parents. He murders his brother. And we have these damaging consequences of sin that have affected every single one of us since. They have damaged, sin has. The consequences of sin have damaged our relationships with other people. 
They've certainly damaged our relationship with God. And so we come now to the birthday. We're going to skip a bunch. We come to the birthday of the church. Acts chapter 2, day 1. The first sermon is going to be publicly preached after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The first gospel sermon is going to be preached by the apostle Peter. And he's going to stand up in the city of Jerusalem in front of thousands and thousands of religious pilgrims. It was a holiday weekend for the Jews. It was the holiday of Shavuot. We know it better as Pentecost. But he's going to address this crowd gathered for Shavuot. And he's going to preach the gospel of Jesus. And tell them how in Jesus God was working to redeem humanity. What was lost in the garden when Adam and Eve turned their back on God. Jesus came to make it right to justify us and to bring us back to God. And so Jesus, Peter told them in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, he told them, was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He quotes from Joel and he shows them that Jesus, Peter told them, was demonstrably and undeniably sent from God. Acts chapter 2 verse 22, because he performed miracles and he performed signs and wonders. Jesus, Peter told them, was the Savior. Those who, he said, verse 21, who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. He declared that Jesus, who had been murdered in that very city just weeks before, that he, verse 32, he had been raised from death to life, this Jesus and then Peter, he boldly preached that the very people listening to him, that those people gathered right in front of him, that they were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him... Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And clearly, many of those who were gathered listening to Peter recognized this to be true. They were, were told by Luke, who recorded all of this, were told that they were cut to the heart. In other words, they were emotionally broken by this sermon and they wanted to know, is there anything we can do to make things right? Tell us what we need to do, Peter. And he famously told them in verses 38 and 39, repent. That just means turn. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then I like this part. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now think about that. Um, they were to repent, which means to turn away 
from their sin. And they were to be baptized in the name of the fellow they had aided and abetted in his crucifixion just weeks before. Right? And that they were to recognize him as their Savior and their Lord. And if they did this and were baptized in the name of Jesus, that their sins would be washed away. And the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, would come to dwell within them. Remarkable stuff. And that last bit, like I said, verse 39, is very relevant to us. That this message that Jesus preached was not simply for them. And not simply for them and their children, but for those, us, who were far off, years away, in another part of the world. And I'm thankful for that. So about 3,000 people responded to that message and were baptized in the name of Jesus on that day. And the church was launched The first local church, the church in Jerusalem, started on that day, burst onto the scene. By the way, that word in the Greek, church, is ekklesia, which means the gathering of those summoned. The gathering of those summoned. So these folks had been summoned. They had gotten an RSVP from God. They had been called by God from one kingdom into another. From darkness into light, from selfishness and sin to holiness and service. And they weren't alone. They were summoned to be gathered, to be collected together, to belong in this new redeemed community. Now, in a minute, we're going to see the DNA of this church right after this in verses 41 to 47. But before we do that, I wanted to just share with you nowadays uh, some of the warped ways that people can think about the church that I think people often do think about the church. And one of those warped ways, one of those distorted views would be the church as a filling station. When you are empty... When life has drained your emotional tanks, it's the place you come on Sunday or hook into on YouTube and you get your tank filled up. You get that encouragement that you need to make it through another week. There is some truth to that. But like the other views that we're going to see, it is so inadequate and it falls so short of Jesus' dream for his church. View number two, <laughs> the church as a movie theater. Um, it's a place to go for an hour or two of escape. It's a place to unplug from the real world and kind of get a break, you know, in a comfortable seat. Uh, and when the service is over, hopefully you walk out to your car feeling a little bit better than you did when you came in. And if someone sees church this way, then they certainly see a, a, a um, disconnect from church and the real world. And that is not at all 
what Jesus has planned for his church. The third view is the church as a drugstore or a pharmacy, right? It, it's a therapeutic place. It's a place that you come to be, to be sort of medicated by the messages so that you can handle your pain. And then the fourth view is the church as a megastore. This one's big these days. The church as a megastore, like a Walmart or a Target or a Best Buy. You know, it offers the best products, it offers a good, clean, safe environment uh, for you and your family. It's a one-stop shop for all your spiritual needs, provides good quality programs and services. And so you choose a church. If this is your view of church, you choose a church as a consumer. Um, you know, you want to find the one that offers the best products, find the best value, find one that is convenient, uh, close to your house, that kind of stuff. Now, here's the problem with each of these four views. Um, the big problem is none of these views is, is a biblical view, okay? None of, these are very American consumeristic views. These are not biblical views that Christ has for his church. And subplot on that problem is it's an issue when a person's view of church makes church all about me, me and my needs, that is not Christ's dream for his church. Entertain me. Fill my tank. Provide good programming for me and for my children. Um, take away my pain and inspire me. Thank you very much. Um, that is good old consumerism right there. And obviously, that is a strong and pervasive way of thinking in our time. And these images tend to produce Christians who are always looking for the best deal, right? I mean, these are ways of thinking about Christians that they're looking for the best deal. And they tend to be perpetually dissatisfied, wondering if they could get an upgrade if they would just go somewhere else, you know. So, right after Peter's passage, and this is where I wanted to get this morning, right after that sermon that Peter preaches, these folks are now connected together. They're now connected to Jesus, the one they put on the cross. They're connected to the Spirit of the Lord. And we get this beautiful, I mean, gorgeous view of what the church is to be. Here we go. Verse 41. Here they are together, the baptized in the name of Jesus, summoned as the gathering of Christ. So those who received his word, those who accepted the RSVP from heaven, they were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted, check out what they were devoted to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I hope you're able to to imagine that scene as Luke paints that picture with his words. And I hope as you you look upon that, your heart just kind of skips a beat. I hope it's like, wow, that is breathtaking stuff. I mean, what a remarkable scene as that first ecclesia comes together. Um, You know, here a few times. I would say this is kind of, we'll get to the clear points here from the scripture in just a moment. But if you'll allow me to kind of read between the lines of what Luke told us. um, Some inferences, some deductions that we can make. I, I would say more than that. Um, absolutely true things, but you kind of walk away with this impression that these were sinners, okay? I want to tell you this. These were sinners. Just a couple of verses before. They were repenting. They were confessing all of their darkness, all of the things that they had done, including murdering Jesus. Um, so that's been going on. So don't, don't lose sight of that. Don't, these, these are all a bunch of perfect squeaky. These are people who were working through stuff who had been repenting, who were in the process of of turning away and starting a new life. Now, we don't know the the list of all of the sins they were dealing with. I would imagine it would be a lot like some of the stuff that we deal with today. But we know that they had helped kill Jesus, so we know that one. So these are, are sinners who had been redeemed. Another thing we know reading between the lines, is this was a very diverse group of people. I mean, like, like really diverse. And Luke has painted this picture for us earlier in chapter 2 when he's listed uh, of, of those present there at the festival of Shavuot, this gathering, many of whom would have heard Peter preach this sermon. Uh, Luke lists at least 14 different nationalities that were gathered from around the Roman world, okay? So when you picture this scene, you need to picture different ethnicities, different skin tones, different languages. You need to hear different accents coming from the folks that were gathered, and now they are the church. Now they are this this body that's been called out by God to fellowship, to do life together a Chinese friend, this last week I was having this conversation with a Chinese friend of mine and he was telling me, you know, how Christianity in China is persecuted by the government, officially and unofficially. Uh, but he said one of, the, one of the lies that is told so often by the Chinese Communist Party is that Christianity is Western it is not Chinese. It is an import from the Americans. And, and I just kind of find that sad and funny because guess what? One of the regions that Luke mentions in chapter 2 that these gatherers were from is Asia, right? Luke chapter 2, I think it's verse 6, verse 9, okay? He doesn't mention North Texas, <laughs> There weren't any Americans there at that Shavuot. It's not a Western thing. 
But it is this global thing. All of these nations, all of these people from day one. That's the church of Jesus Christ. So incredibly diverse. And as you picture in your mind's eye this gathering, this first church, this first ecclesia, uh, you need to picture this other piece of diversity. There were, there were a lot of middle class people. There were wealthy people. There were poor people. How do you know that, Gordon? Well, I know there were people with like real financial needs. They were having to take up a collection for their members who weren't so well off. They were having to liquidate some assets to make sure everybody got fed. So you had a diversity, not just in terms of like ethnicities, but in terms of economic levels as well. Uh, and I picture just in thousands, and this is where you have to make a little bit of a leap. But in that many people, I just try to picture in my mind's eye, there were all so young and old. There were special needs members of the church. There were all kinds of people in a size of gathering uh, to, uh, of that you know, thousands of people, right? So just picture that when you imagine this scene in Acts chapter 2. And really, I believe this gathering, this ecclesia, these people who are summoned together, it's unlike anything history had seen up to that point. So, in the church, each found a place to belong for which their heart had always Longed. Now, let's go back to the text, and we're going to see some values of the church right there on day one that we still see today in the Lord's church. One of those front and center right at the top is the church welcomed all who had given their lives to Jesus. Those who had been called, they were now gathered by the Lord. And that's in verse 41. We see that they held scripture in high esteem. It's, it's, it's there, it's called, you know, the apostles' teaching. Well, who put the New Testament together? The apostles did. So, it's the Bible to us. They held the Bible. They held the word of the Lord in very high esteem. They also were devoted, that's Luke's word, they were devoted to fellowship. That means life together. And they were also devoted to prayer, to being in prayer for each other. Uh, we also see in verse 43, they, were, they believed in the power of God in their midst. Now, obviously, they had the benefit of seeing signs and wonders being done by the apostles. But they believed that God's power was being unleashed in their assembly, in, in their togetherness. They pulled their resources, verses 45 and 46. They pulled their resources to help people who were in need. They gathered regularly. You know, verse 46, they continued to meet together. It was a habit of gathering. They worshiped regularly, verse 47. They were praising God together. Um, they were, I like this, they were well regarded by those outside the church. People looked on them with favor. I'm sure the people around them didn't love everything about them. Didn't understand everything about them, but, but there was this sense of, that group's special. There's something good happening there. And then the church grew, verse 47, as the Lord added to their numbers. They were growing. And so that's what was happening with the first church in Acts chapter 2. And glory to God, that's what we see happening here as well. I mean, not exactly the same, okay. But those values are still in play, and we still see them here 
in our fellowship at Preston Crest. And I'm going to finish this morning just by kind of putting flesh and blood on this. I told you about my friend Ted Azenia. I'm going to tell you about another friend of mine, Jill. Um, it's been about 25 years since these events happened. We're, we're still in touch with each other. But Jill was a Tennessee girl who had moved to Oklahoma and, and enrolled at the University of Oklahoma to work on her master's degree in architecture. Uh, I was the campus minister there. We had a house for our Sooners for Christ. We had a house right there on the east edge of campus. And these remarkable young people that I got to work with, we would worship together. We would have Bible studies in the dorms together. That was a lot of fun. Uh, We took trips together. Uh, We played volleyball together in our sand volleyball pit. Uh, Anyway, Jill wanders in one day, stumbles upon our group. Mainly, she saw folks playing volleyball, and she wondered, can I play? (laughs) So we're like, sure. Now, she started coming and playing volleyball with us and hanging out with us, playing ping pong, eating our lunches on Mondays. We had free lunch and everything. She let us know, I'm not a Christian, not interested in you guys shoving your religion, you know, into my brain or anything. I'm not into that. I just, I just want some friends, and I like you guys. So, sure, we hung out. She started coming, of course, to some of our, our devotionals, our little worship services as well. And then I remember... It's about a year in, we took a spring road trip from Norman to Tallahassee. We had a big conference there at Florida State University. We were staying in the dormitories, and Jill came along with us. And one of my memories there was, it was a night. We'd all gathered in one of the dorm rooms. I mean, we were just shoe-spooned in there, like 25 of us. And we had the lights turned off. And John Scott, we we were just singing People would share something. Somebody would pray over something that was on their heart. It was really just kind of organic. It was really beautiful. And then I remember Jill's emotion-choked voice at one point interrupting the flow. And she said, guys, she's crying. She said, guys, I got to tell you, I'm a different person than I was a year ago. I thought you guys were kind of fake. <laughs> you were too happy. You were too huggy. This can't be real. But over time, I realized this wasn't an act. You guys really love each other. And I realized it wasn't you. It was, it was Jesus. He's real. He's at work in the midst of you, his people. So I want to be baptized tonight, she said. And so we flip on the lights. We're crying, we're hugging, we're high-fiving. Let me back up one. Uh, one of the vans earlier in the trip, every, something crazy always happens on these trips, and One of my interns got a van stuck going into a parking garage. Like the ceiling was lower than the van and kind of got it, kind of got it wedged. We actually had to push the van out from under the, so yeah, Brad didn't get to drive the the van anymore. But I drove the van down the street to the Best Western and uh, 
we asked the manager, hey, can we use your pool for a few minutes? And sure, you can. And so Jill was baptized there. I could tell you more about how she grew as a disciple and how she's doing now with her husband, one of the members of the group who she married, who's, they're off in Colorado together. But, but what I want to tell you is the testimony that brought her to Christ was that gathering. It was the church. It wasn't convincing arguments. It wasn't any great sermon that I preached it, or anyone else. It was that gathering. It was the church. And that's why I've just devoted my life to serve the church. I, I can't imagine where else I would be. And, and what a blessing, by the way, to be at a church like this one, to be at Preston Crest, to be at just such a generous, loving church as this one. But I want to say this as we finish up this morning. That invitation that she responded to is open to you. It's open to all. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to be baptized in the name of Jesus, you can do that today. And you'll enter into a new relationship with the resurrected Lord. And he will bring you into his family where you will have a place to belong. Maybe you need prayers today. However we can help you. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord together. We place you on the highest place for you. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, John Scott, for our worship service today. It's been great to be here. This morning, as we conclude, one of our young men, Grayson Shuttlesworth, is going to read our take-home passage. Hello, my name is Grayson Shuttlesworth, and today I will be reading from Ephesians 2, verse 19 through 22. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are dismissed.